0: You should have a balanced portfolio and consider lots of different strategies or certainly the strategies to your circumstances rather than using a strategy that someone is trying to convince you as being the best strategy to use.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode we're speaking with the owner of Australian Property Advisor Group and best-selling author Andrew Crossley. Find out about his travels across Europe at an early age and why he decided to come back to Australia after such a long time away. We also hear a story about his first property in the Netherlands and so much more. Andrew Crossley is the owner of Australian Property Advisory Group as well as the best selling author. He explains what his business tries to achieve when it comes to their clients.
0: I'm the owner of Australian Property Advisory Group, buyer's advocacy and property advisory business assisting clients around Australia to uh, reduce risk and improve potential with every investment property purchase.
1: Crossley not only advises clients on their properties but he also finds the time to write best selling books.
0: So, the most recent one is the 100K property plan and the book is about how uh, a typical person or family, uh, what they can do to more likely achieve an outcome uh, in the future of earning $100,000 a year passive income from building a property portfolio.
1: Crossley is always hard at work coming up with different ways his business can help their clients achieve their goals.
0: Every day I research, source and negotiate. Uh, for my clients on investment property. So, I find the best locations around Australia for their budget, their risk profile and their goals and then I find the best most rentable dwellings to suit the demographic in those suburbs and I negotiate for those clients. And additionally, I also provide a tailored plan if they want one of how best to build a portfolio for their individual needs.
1: He grew up and was scored in the Melbourne area and did not expect to leave for as long as he did.
0: I was born in Kew in Melbourne and I grew up in the outer eastern suburbs and I went to um, uh, Luther College uh, which is in the eastern suburbs near Wonga Park, uh, Croydon area and uh, I, I finished um, uh, Year 12 and that was back in 1990 and I didn't really know what I wanted to do so I um, I worked for nightclubs in Melbourne, promoting nightclubs and, and uh, got a job uh, working at Mount Buller and uh, so really for, for a year and a half I was uh, a bit, sort of a bit lost, not knowing what I wanted to do and I thought what a great opportunity. I was going to go overseas for six months uh, but it ended up being uh, 12 and a half years.
1: Crossley grew up and spent a lot of time at a ski resort near Melbourne and that led him on an interesting journey.
0: I left Australia when I was 20 uh, on a one-way ticket overseas Uh, to become a a ski instructor. I was told it's going to be a a simple task to become one, having lived and worked in Mount Buller uh, Ski Resort for a season, working on the the lifts there. But uh, working on the lifts doesn't compare to uh, the best job in the mountain, which is being a ski instructor. And when I got over to Austria, I realised, wow, there's an exam and there's a qualification and I have to speak German. And so I paid a tutor and I learned German over a month and passed the exam to become a ski instructor back in 92.
1: What encouraged you to become a ski instructor?
0: Uh, I love skiing, and it was a way to get paid for doing what I love.
1: There are plenty of options to become a ski instructor in Australia. So why did Crossley decide to go all the way to Europe?
0: Back in those days, before internet and mobile phones, uh, I thought, look, you know, Austria had this glamour uh, in my mind, a bit like Switzerland. I've always been attracted to those two countries, and I'd never been overseas prior. And I thought, well, look, Japan hadn't become uh, the big thing. Uh, it was more Europe or the States. And so um, I had just happened to meet someone in Buller and he said, I've been teaching there before, so come over with me and, and teach over there. And that's why I thought, well, look, you know, Austria has great snow, better than here. Uh, it's less expensive than here. Um, so I thought, look, great, why not?
1: A tragedy in Crossley's personal life led him into a situation that created a career-changing opportunity for him.
0: It was interesting in Mount Buller. Uh, there's usually someone that dies every year, and uh, a friend of mine who I was skiing with in '92 um, actually died on the on the mountain uh, when I was skiing with him. And at his wake is when I met a friend of his, and it's through that um, situation that I got to know this other person who said, you know, Austria is a great place to go and. And um, I thought, well, look, if it's as easy as it sounds, why not? It was only later that I discovered you have to be really good at skiing which I thought I was but nowhere near what I um, realized I had to be and that's changed with um, a lot of time spent on skiing and uh, I I did probably three, four four whole seasons. of.
1: Rather than study after high school, Crossley went straight into the workforce while he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do.
0: I didn't do any study at that time. I didn't really know what what I wanted to do. Um, Back then, nightclub scene in Melbourne was uh, quite popular. Perhaps it still is not I don't know. I feel a bit old for that. Uh, But uh, back then, uh, I was promoting nightclub, you know, and handing out passes with a code on. So, look, I was making $1,000 a week um, at the time.
1: Wow, that's pretty good.
0: 18, 19-year-old, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, And you get to go out and drink every night and um, have drink cards given to you as well. And so I was drinking for free and going out for free and getting paid for it as well.
1: There are plenty of stories to tell after spending more than 12 years in foreign countries and we find out about more details of his journey overseas.
0: Working in Austria, I then uh, taught a bunch of English people, Irish people, um, Germans even how to ski. And I moved to London and managed to get a job uh, working and then managing a cocktail bar in London, in Camden town. And I lived above the bar for eight months. Uh, And then I went back to teach skiing again in Austria, same resort for another three or four months. Uh, Went back to London um, after backpacking for a few months and uh, started getting a job in advertising and worked as an advertiser or in an advertising company um, in Islington in London. Uh, and I was headhunted to join a, a software company. We were selling software, investment software for the stock market, uh, for the horse racing industry, the football, uh, football or soccer, as Australians call it, uh, is big over there. Uh, and uh, so software programs to help you invest in the share market so then i was again headhunted to move from london to the netherlands and i started off at the bottom uh, in a private equity firm and uh cold calling of bringing clients on board high net worth clients and after six years i became a uh, partner in this global equities firm trading derivatives in wine uh, and champagne so off-market derivatives raising venture capital uh, and that meant I could travel a lot. Uh, I was working in the Netherlands. They moved me to the Cayman Islands in the Caribbean for about nine or 10 months where I continued on there. I set up an office there. Um, I did my uh, PADI scuba diving open water certificate in Dubai um, just previously, and then I thought, well, look, I want to look more. So I did all the exams to become a scuba diving instructor uh, which I was doing in the evenings and weekends, it gives you a free dive on a boat. Uh, you get to teach people how to dive. And I was then teaching um, underwater deep-sea diving, a wreck diving, um, using underwater propul- propulsion vehicles. Uh, and that was all really good to teach all those specialties. And I worked in the Cayman Islands for about nine months doing both those jobs. And then the company moved me to Italy and I lived in Tuscany for about uh, nine or ten months uh and uh, then after look and all that time with the netherlands with austria uh with italy and the cayman islands uh it had been about 12 and a half years and i thought look i'll, I'll leverage off my overseas experience and bring it back to australia and this is back in 2005. so i decided after 12 and a half years and Having um, moved my way up in in, in this firm uh, that I was at to to come back here,
1: after being overseas for a significant period of time, he came back to Australia and continued his property investing journey.
0: I purchased my first property in Rotterdam in the Netherlands, and if I equate it to stakes uh, you can make in Australia, I made every one of them. Um, I purchased a high in, in a high rise. It was only a. Luckily, it was over 50 square metres of living in the apartment because you're mad to buy anything smaller. Uh, this was only 55 square metres of living, high-rise, high-density apartment um, in the city centre, um, off the plan. So even worse, mistake after mistake, compounding it. Um, and then after three years uh, of, of uh, keeping that property, I managed to, in the Netherlands you could do this, um, I separated the car park, the title for that, from the dwelling, and I sold the car park for about 25, 30 grand, um, and then I sold the apartment for about a 50% profit. So even though I made every mistake that you could make if you're investing in Australia in property, um, it wasn't a mistake at the time in that market in the Netherlands. So I did quite well, but it taught me a lot. Uh, And then I started, so when I came back to Australia, I thought my international experience would be valued here. But um, I found that uh, the big four banks prejudiced me. They discriminated against me, as they do often expats, because I find that unless you have local experience in Australia, international experience, unless it's a brand that's globally recognised, is um, of little value. And so I struggled to get an equally paying position. And so a loan writer, similar to a mortgage broker, but working for someone else writing loans. And uh, I started learning about negative gearing and about uh, investment property in Australia and um, started investing myself because I'd already done well overseas from an income point of view and purchasing property and also helping investors raise venture capital to go into property ventures overseas.
1: Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Andrew Crossley's journey and how he got started in property.
0: I found that property is what most um, people that have become wealthy invest in.
1: So the horror stories he has witnessed over his long career.
0: If the mining or the industry dies, everyone leaves. The people were paying five, six hundred thousand dollars for a property, earning lots of rental, and then the market died, and now the property's worth two hundred, and they can't get a tenant.
1: And that's next. I'm Taran Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. After starting his property investing journey in Europe, Crossley learned that he could utilize some of the same ideas within the Australian market.
0: I wasn't that far away from um, what I've been doing and so I started uh, buying properties for myself and when working in mortgage broking, loan writing, uh, and, and seeing the the wrong way uh, that property is sold in Australia. So I worked for a company that sold their own property, and someone would come and sit with the client and and model a couple of uh, properties that the developer developer had on their books. Uh, and then someone, uh, that person who modeled those properties would try to flog one of those properties to those uh, clients uh, that I would uh, arrange the finance for. And um, it's, it's the cart leading the horse, in my opinion, in the right way of doing something. Uh, so I decided to learn more about how that, that process could be improved so I did a, a property advisory course um, through a firm. Uh, there's there's two main firms that stand out in the industry, uh, PIAA and PIPA. I've kept my membership with PIPA uh, because I think that's, for me, uh, more, more valuable uh, and more people know it, uh, but they're both, um, you know, upstanding companies who are driving for change in the industry to protect the buyer rather than looking after the seller. And I I say it's the wrong process where someone buys a property from a, a developer or a marketing company because they're being sold something off a stock list and someone is making lots of commission, typically not disclosing all that commission that they're making. So, becoming a buyer's advocate meant that um, there's full transparency and I'm representing the buyer um, in the transaction. And so, uh, I can then start to explain to people that you shouldn't just focus on one strategy or another strategy. Uh, you should have a balanced portfolio and consider lots of different strategies or certainly the strategies to your circumstances rather than using a strategy that someone is trying to convince you as being the best strategy to use.
1: Crossley had experience in different parts of the industry so he shares why he wanted to get into property.
0: I don't like shares. Um, From personal experience, I'm not saying they're bad uh, for everyone, I'm just saying I don't like them Um, and I don't like them because uh, they are more risky uh, in my opinion. Uh, and I, I invested three hundred grand in shares, and uh, I lost a lot of that money. Um, and luckily, there were some good blue chip companies like Amazon that I purchased fifteen years ago, uh, that have helped, and and Philips and Microsoft that have helped me, um, you know, mitigate some of those losses. Um, but I found that property is what most um, people that have become wealthy invest in.
1: It is easy to make mistakes when you are first starting out on your property investing journey and he helps us learn what to do to try and combat them.
0: My personal portfolio, um, I don't think there's a, a glaringly obvious mistake I've made. Um, I started buying properties in 2007 so within a, a year and a half, two years of being back other than my home which I purchased a year uh, into return to Australia. Uh, I started buying investment properties in 2007 and I would already read up and and realised that the wise decision was to do your homework, do your research, but not listen uh, to a property spruiker uh, and consider lots of different strategies, but uh, examples of clients I've come across that have experienced, you know, horror scenarios is those that were sold a property in queensland the queensland tends to be the common culprit of bad mistakes and um such as in Murrumbah or gladstone for example uh, or a mining town you know one horse town you, you know you'd rather slit your throat than move there um and you know if the mining or the industry dies everyone leaves so people are paying five six hundred thousand dollars for a property earning lots of rental and then the market died and now the property's worth 200, grand and they can't get a tenant. Uh, so those are horror stories, and, and of course another typical horror story is all these people that are drawn in to the, the, the excitement of off the plan, where someone's probably um, perhaps even misled them into believing that it's the best way to make money, And so they sign a a purchase contract now for a property that's three years away from being built. And then they go out and get their uh, approval from a lender and they're confident then that they can borrow the money. So they pay their 10% deposit. Uh, But little do some of them know, uh, which is rather a shame, uh, is that their approval will expire. And in three years time, uh, even six months later, let alone three years time, that original approval is completely irrelevant. It's void. It's it's worthless, and you have to go through the same assessment process again. And lenders change their policies all the time. Calculated uh, how much you can borrow, living expenses, and how they're um, extrapolated. All those things change. Even postcodes of where you can buy, and and the loan to value ratios in some locations can change. So I've seen uh, people lose their 10% deposit because the approval they got three years ago worthless at the time that they have to settle on that property. And that's why off the plan is the, the worst strategy for a lot of people, not for everyone, uh, because some people have done well, but for a lot of people, it's very dangerous.
1: It is important to be able to learn from your mistakes and use that knowledge and turn it into a positive. We discover some across these successful investments.
0: A lot of my properties are buy and hold strategies that just suits me. Some clients, it's it's worth subdividing or developing uh, because I think subdividing and developing is the best strategy for a lot of people but it's also more risk. So it may not be suitable to a lot of people but it's certainly a great strategy for people uh, that, you know, manufacturing capital growth and cash flow, uh, but a strategy that um, has really complemented my buy and hold strategies are already in place, and it was a bit of fun as well, is uh, an Airbnb-style property. Um, so I purchased a property in Rye, and there's a there's a formula that uh, people should try to follow when when buying a property that they want to put on stays or Airbnb. And I tried to do that as much as I could um, for myself. And so I bought the property, I don't know, at about 400,000. Um, I didn't buy it necessarily with a pure focus on capital growth. Uh, it's probably worth about 650, three years later. Um, but the, the, the yield, had I put a, tw- a normal tenant in for 12 months, I might be getting, you know, uh, 18 grand a year, Um, you know, your common 3%, let's say. But through, you know, the likes of Airbnb and stays, it's about 35 to uh, $40,000 a year. Um, But Of course, the risk is there are periods during the year that it's vacant, uh, and uh, and that may not suit a lot of clients, Um, maybe comfort level or risk tolerance. Um, But that's been a fun strategy and it's been an attractive strategy for me. It's also a property that allows me to, you know, block out some dates, and use it myself.
1: It can be risky to use properties on sites like Airbnb, but there are initiatives that you can take to market them in a way that makes them more appealing.
0: I've had, uh, you, you don't have a rental manager, of course. You have to do it yourself, forced you to do it well because you can't really fire yourself. Um, and I've fired rental managers before because they're incompetent uh, and I want a good rental manager to manage my properties to look after the tenant as well as my interests not just my interests Um, and so uh, yes I spend time responding to inquiries um, and there are little things I've done to the property to make it more appealing and to stand out um, and become a a preferred landlord in the uh, whatever the terminology is is Those websites where you stand out above the crowd, uh, you know, getting positive reviews, um, trying to keep the place really clean, have a good cleaner that's reliable. Um, So I just email her the dates of when I've got a guest and she goes in and and cleans it up and uh, and then replaces any um, sundry items such as shampoos and toilet paper for me so I don't ever have to go there. Uh, and you put little things in to make it attractive to families like a, a totem tennis game, uh, a smart TV um, so they can watch Netflix, um, uh, you know, a trampoline um, and lots of uh, basketball ring, lots of things to make it attractive.
1: We discovered the amount of time that it takes in maintaining Airbnb properties and the ebbs and flows that they can have throughout the year.
0: During the colder months where fewer people want to go to <laughs> the beach, uh, not got much time at all. Um, but leading up to uh, peak season, perhaps around uh, summer uh, and through to Easter, then I might get you know, two, three, four, five inquiries every week. And it only takes five or ten minutes to respond to each one and, and to send them standard um, typical you know, terms, you know, no parties, no loud noise, all that sort of stuff. Uh, no, no um, schoolies. Um, leave the place tidy after exiting. Um, Check-in, check-out times, and and I don't have to worry about keys. So I installed a, a, a keypad, and I give them their own uh, code uh, for that guest. So I can then uh, track who's been let in or who's let themselves in on what code, and I can update the codes whenever I want.
1: Crossley delves into what kind of properties investors should avoid if they are looking to use them for Airbnb purposes.
0: Some people have bought a property. So a lot of investors, um, all of them, but quite too many of them. buy where they're familiar with. Uh, they're not prepared to buy in an area that they're not familiar with. And that's the downfall of a lot of them, is they don't want to engage a buyer's agent and they try to do it themselves and they uh, make lots of pro- so, so, yes, I've seen clients that have bought an Airbnb property, and uh, and no fault of Airbnb at all. Um, it's the fault of the uh, person buying the property, is they bought it in the suburbs, in the normal suburbia, where you know who wants to um, go on holiday to um, a typical suburb uh, in the middle of suburbia. Um, not me, and certainly not of other, not a lot of others. So, um, the more successful properties uh, could be in the city. Uh, or uh, maybe in the country uh, where it's a nice location for walking, whatever, maybe near a ski resort or, um, or near the water.
1: So, inspired by Andrew Crossley's journey and his amazing aha moment, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investor, where we'll discuss his strategy.
0: So, I've had a, a spread or mixed port, uh, a balanced portfolio, you could say, of some capital growth-focused properties and some cash flow-focused properties. And I think all too often, um, people investing in property get caught up in one strategy over another.
1: The personal habits which have been contributing to his success.
0: Um, Trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle and remaining focused on my goal and remaining committed to why I'm doing it and I'm doing it for my family.
1: And that's next time in a future episode of Property Invest Story.